0: Thanks, Manny. Um, what Manny didn't tell you was that uh, we're in youth ministry for a bit. So it was great to always have uh, to be working with him. So, what is the greatest rescue in history? When you think about the word rescue, what comes to mind? In 2018, a group of teenagers like 16, 11 to 16, were trapped in a cave, a Thai cave, and they were 4,000 kilometers from the entrance. They were trapped so deeply inside the cave that it was actually very dangerous, very risky to rescue them. It required an international effort to rescue these teenagers and their coach. So when you think about a rescue like that, so much effort, so many people involved, is that the greatest rescue ever? For this morning, I'd like to share with you the greatest rescue in Scripture, the greatest deliverance. Maybe you probably know it by the word, the greatest salvation. So please turn to your Bibles in Romans, Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17 your Bibles or your iPads or your phones. But Romans. What is Romans about, and who was it written, who, who wrote it? Um, many say that the Apostle Paul wrote the, the book of Romans, and how is it different than his other letters? And D.A. Carson says that Romans does not deal with local issues in the matter, let's say, of 1 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians, we're talking about like, worship, worship, um, marriage, all those specific issues, but it is a majestic epistle dealing with great themes. It has proven relevant to the needs of the Christians in various situations. And so as we look at the gospel, here my thesis is we can be confident and not ashamed to encourage everyone in word and in person because the gospel of Jesus Christ is God's power revealed. And the righteous work of God for the purpose to bring universal salvation through faith. So part of the goal this morning is to encourage you to be part of the rescue mission by sharing the gospel with others. So as you turn to Romans chapter one, verses sixteen to seventeen, I gotta turn there myself. Let me read. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. What's really great about these two verses is that many understand it as being the outline for the book of Romans. So if you've never read the book of Romans, this would be the outline of Romans. It outlines why the Apostle Paul is eager to share the gospel with others. So there's two, uh, basically three themes of the outline for this morning. What is the gospel? Right? What is the gospel? And how is it powerful? And then how can we apply that uh, to our lives? Again, what is the gospel you know, how is it powerful, and how can we apply it to our lives? Why is the understanding of the gospel really important? Well, for one, as Christians, like, I think it's there, right? Christ, community, culture. So, right, if we get the Christ wrong, we're going to get the community wrong, and then we'll get the culture wrong. So it's important to know the focus of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Basically, it means good news. But why is it good? And what is news, right? I know all of us are like, man, I'd like to hear some good news. But really, basically, news is something that is new, something that is different, something that is outside of how um, our regular lives work. So it's important also to know what the gospel truth is because as Christians, we're supposed to live that every day. We're supposed to engage in conversation every day. We're supposed to live our lives about uh, regarding the gospel. So why is the gospel important, and why is it pertinent to your life? We have to go back to Genesis, and I'll just give a a summary of Genesis. So the gospel is important because it solves many issues. Four four that I'd like to share with you this morning is it solves the issue of man versus God. Man versus God. So as we know in Genesis, um, Adam and Eve sinned. They did not obey God, and therefore there's this scene where God comes into the garden, right? He's walking in the cool of the day, and it says that God calls out to Adam and says, Adam, where are you? Adam says that he's hiding, and God says, why are you hiding? Because I'm naked and I feel ashamed. So there's this conflict that we see that man already is, there's conflict between God and man. And we see the, the, con- the second conflict, which is man versus man. Or in this case, it's man versus his spouse, right? So God asks Adam, what happened? You know, why did you sin? And Adam says, uh, he actually blames Eve, right, for what happened. Blames his wife. But in actuality, he actually blames God. Because he says, uh, because of the wife that you gave me, I sinned. So this, there's this idea of conflict. Already in Genesis. Later on, we see that there's a conflict between, you know, within the family, right? Between Cain and Abel, and there's murder there. Next, we see that there is also conflict between man himself. You can tell that there is conflict in man today because there's a lot of efforts to self-medicate ourselves, you know, from alcohol to to food, from drink to eating through medication in the Old Testament in the Psalms it says why are you downcast all my soul hope in God hope also in me there's also the need for peace uh, between man and creation I know this kind of dates me and it's, I just realized it's 20 years old but this building used to not be here Used to be a wooden structure. Uh, who here was uh, can you remember Pong Song hwa uh, Yeah, it's not 20 years ago. I didn't know that. But um, yeah, Pong Song like tore this church building off, and then the other side also, and also even the center. And so that idea of man versus creation is very applicable and very um, evident to us. So the gospel addresses at least four aspects, man versus God, man versus man, man versus himself, and also man versus creation. If the gospel is only about a ticket to heaven, then that's a very weak gospel. If the gospel is just so you can be saved and, and be something that's ethereal or like Once you die, the Spirit, you just go to heaven, and that's it. That's not a very impactful gospel. So we have to remember the context of the gospel and all the facts surrounding the gospel. So what is the gospel? A synthetic definition is, or just a definition is, um, the good news of Jesus Christ, the God-man who died in our place to make us right with God. And rose from the dead to establish his kingdom, which he will rule all things. The gospel is something, the reality of already, but not yet. Already it's benefiting us, but not yet fully and totally fulfilled. When we think about those four areas that I mentioned earlier, it says in Romans chapter five, verse one, it says that therefore since we have been, let me see, fully. In terms of man versus God, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the most important piece of the gospel in that we actually have peace with God. And of course, it's important to know how far the distance is between us and God. And honestly, if you, if you think that the gospel only Uh, addresses uh, peace with god and the depth of sin needs to be expounded all right man because of the gospel there is peace between each other we can have peace with each other there can be peace between man and man in the lord's prayer it says um, our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we can, so that we may forgive those who trespass against us. How can we bring forgiveness into our lives when, if we only think that forgiveness comes from our actions or our efforts? We can forgive others and their trespasses against us because there is someone who has already uh, forgiven us. Thinking about intrapersonal, almost international, right? Forgiveness can come because of Jesus Christ. Forgiveness is possible possible because there is an external force that allows us to forgive and that we can trust in to forgive others. So again, there's peace between um, man and God. There's peace between man and man. And there's peace... um, For ourselves or man himself. In Philippians chapter 4 it talks about a peace that comes uh, to us and that uh, do not be anxious about anything but in everything through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving and praise. Make your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Again is the gospel only a ticket to heaven? Is the gospel only good when you're about to die? That's why it's important that we know the definition of the gospel and all of its implications as well. And lastly, there is peace with creation. In Revelation, it says there will be a new heaven and a new earth. That There is hope in uh, the resurrection. One of the things that uh, has happened uh, in my life, that's well, my wife's life has been difficult. Is that her parents? Her mom died in 2021, and then her father recently died in 2022. It's a great privilege to uh, to see uh, their response uh, to those deaths. Um, they um, are encouraged by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and they are um, clinging to the hope of the resurrection. So. What is the basic content of the gospel message? The Lord Jesus Christ died for our sins and rose from the dead. And where do we get that? We can look at that at the first part of Romans chapter 1 verses 1 through 4. It says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel which he promised beforehand through the prophets in the holy scriptures concerning his son who descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the Son of God and power according to the Spirit of holiness by his res- resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. It's interesting that this is the person of Jesus Christ. If you think about the gospel, basically it's about what or who Jesus is and then secondarily who, uh, what Jesus Christ did and also our response to that as well. So let's turn also to, if you can, to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 5. It says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as first importance what I also received. Christ died for our sins, in accordance with scriptures, that he was buried, he was raised on the third day, in accordance with scripture. Very interesting that there's always this aspect of scripture, prophets, promise, whenever we receive or think about the gospel of Jesus Christ, it helps to provide evidence of the good news of Jesus Christ because of all these um, evidence through scripture. Basic response to the gospel, believe the proclamation of the person and work of Christ. Trust in him alone to save. That's another thing that was really interesting for me when researching the, the message is that there always needs to be a response. I know it's easier if you can just, you know, think about uh, the promises of Christ, but we actually actually need to believe in it as well. In this outline, you see the person of Christ that holds up the gospel, also the work of Christ that holds up the gospel, but there's also the need for our response as well. Belief, faith, but I think the most common word that is easier to understand is trust, trusting Christ in, um, in the gospel. Additionally, we have to be careful that not to add or to subtract from the gospel, In verse 16, again it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, but also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, The righteous shall live by faith. What is the gospel? It must be believed. It is to be believed it must be believed to be uh, to be saved. Because if we just know it, but not really trust in it, it's something that we must live, that we must share with others. There is great danger in changing the gospel either by adding to it or taking away from it. Uh, for example, if we add, let's just say, baptism to the gospel, right? If we say that, In order for you to be saved, you need to be baptized. We take away from the gospel because, again, like it says in verse 16, for in it the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. That's it, just believes. It's really tempting, quite honestly, to like add something. Well, you got a lot of things, right? There's a lot of commercials out there. Just watch out. So also there's a danger in taking from the gospel. Taking from the gospel. When you think about the gospel and it says, okay, Jesus Christ, how about if we just take away Jesus Christ? Right? If we take away Jesus Christ and say that the gospel is everyone will be saved. That's actually like universalism, right? Everyone will be saved. Actually, you don't need to have faith. Right? If you, if you take away Jesus Christ and you take away faith, you're just saying to everybody, you can be saved. Another danger in taking away the, uh, some things from the gospel and saying that let's say you take away the idea of, of sin. Take away the idea of sin. Wouldn't it be easier to share with others, you know, let's just take away sin? Because, you know, it's kind of offensive. If you say that People are sinners. That we're sinners. Yes, I think it would be much easier. But then, if you take away sin, then there's no need for such a great, um, powerful gospel, right? If you think that sin, for example, is just, you know, against us and God, and it's a very private thing, then you don't know that the gospel is a global truth, a global. Fact that needs to be shared, right? If, if sin is basically, you know, just um, doing actions, if sin is just something that you do, but it's also something, it's only, if it's only just something that you do, then it's easy to just be legalistic, right? I just won't do A, B, C, and therefore I won't need to sin. But really... Sin permeates our lives in such a deep level. But quite honestly, even at age 45 this year, it's like I still got a lot of sin. You know, I still need such a great salvation in my life. And I've gone to Bible college, gone to seminary, and now I'm in, uh, a chaplain in the army. It's like, do I got everything together? No. <laughs> I still see a lot of sin. And that's why it's such a great need and salvation that's needed. I see, you know, mannerisms and and sin even um, in the things that I don't do, and that's why we need to understand that there needs to be this peace with God because everywhere, all the time, there is always a possibility uh, for sin. Uh, this person asks me all the time. I don't know why, but they ask me all the time. So, chaplain. You mean to tell me that you can um, commit adultery by just thinking about it? It's like, yes, Jesus said that, right? It says that, uh, what do you say? You have heard it said, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I tell you, if a man looks lustfully, lustfully at a woman, he has committed sin. And so sin is not just action. Sin is thought. That's why the gospel of Jesus Christ is powerful and that's why it's needed because when we sin we need to be uh, forgiven and we need that power in our lives so another great danger of um, saying that let's just say sin is thought or action is that well why don't we just have education right if we just educate people they will stop sinning right right if we just educate people enough, maybe they'll stop sinning. That'll solve the world's problems. I think we're the most educated people in the world right now. I mean, I don't know if you know the new chap GPC. It's a new AI interaction. Ask it any question. Mr. Google or Mrs. Google. Anyway. Google. You know, we know YouTube. You can YouTube stuff. Why then do we have war? Why do then do we have conflict? Why then do we have, you know, interactions where people unfriend other people? You know, we should be the most peaceful people, what about now? Since we know everything, education cannot save us because education doesn't have the power to bring forgiveness beyond our interaction with each other. We need to have faith on, uh, on Christ, in Christ, that forgives things even when people have died, even when we can't go and meet that person that we have uh, offended. So, don't take out sin from the gospel. How about we take away the resurrection? How would if we take away the resurrection from the gospel? Well, for one, it's mentioned twice, right, in Romans chapter one, verses one through four. Also, it's mentioned in Corinthians. Uh, chapter 15, verses 1 through 5. If you take away the resurrection, actually that whole chapter in First um, in Corinthians chapter 15, it tells us that our faith is, I think, sad or null and void because if we don't have the resurrection, we don't have the ability to have faith uh, beyond ourselves or hope beyond ourselves. Um, In one of the songs that says the heroes of faith, I still remember like um, uh, Dave Owen, uh, Mr. Moyer, and my wife's parents. I don't know if you can remember people of faith that have, uh, have died and who you remember them to be and their faith as well. We need to have a faith that is beyond the material, beyond just what we can see or feel. Otherwise, it's all for ourselves, right? The resources of this world, the collection of um, precious metals, the, the idea to, to gain as much material and economic wealth as possible. Is that really our goal? Quite interestingly, um, before the war on Ukraine occurred, there was an article in the Gospel Coalition about a church there and their goal was to continue to spread the gospel despite the conflict. Uh, the church was training, uh, they started training others, uh, their congregants, with um, you know, first aid, CPR. Um, they started training their congregants how to uh, you know, use tourniquets. Their goal was to bless their city, their nation, um, through those efforts as well. And that's only if we can think of ourselves and the gospel as something beyond now, beyond the material, beyond what we can accomplish uh, in this lifetime. So, do not add to the gospel. Do not take from the gospel. Keep it simple. Knowing what is the full gospel and nothing more will help us to keep our evangelism focused on Christ. I know it's tempting to talk about you know, creation versus evolution or um, Bible versus science. and That dichotomy is not necessarily the, the best, but our focus needs to be on Christ. So how is the gospel powerful? How is the gospel powerful? Well, for one, again, like I mentioned, of uh, those who have been faithful throughout the years, those who are faithful now and those uh, that are faithful that we see every day the gospel is powerful because in in verse 16 again it says for i'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of god for salvation to everyone who believes one of the greatest things that we can see about the gospel's power is the church itself how's how does the church live now How does the church, how does the person next to me live? That shows uh, the gospel uh, power. You know, it's interesting, um, going recently, I just came back from uh, D.C., Uh, we had a a state chaplain's training with uh, different chaplains from like Nebraska, New York, and other states (laughs) and other territories, even Virgin Islands, right? And it was really encouraging to hear from the other chaplains that, you know, their pursuit is to really, it's for the gospel. They can, they can do other things, you know. They can, it's more beneficial to not do what they're doing. But the goal is to share the gospel, is to impact the world for the gospel. In the Philippines, the same thing, I have a seminary friend there, and his goal is to continue to share uh, the gospel uh, with um, his, his congregation and also his, um, uh, the seminary that he teaches at. So the gospel is powerful because it is not just about today, it is not just about tomorrow, but it is about eternity and also uh, what it can and does bring. That's why we need the, that's why we need the, um, the resurrection. So application, now that we know about what is the gospel, now that we know about the um, how is it powerful, how can we apply it? We're going back to the same verse, I am not ashamed, right? Verse 16, I am not ashamed because the gospel, of, of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone. So I ask you, church, one, be part of the rescue, Be part of the rescue of your your neighbor, your children, right? Be part of the rescue, willing to share the salvation uh, to others. Uh, Secondarily, you know, don't be ashamed. I know in our contexts, it's easy to not talk about the gospel. Maybe we can talk about, again, education. Maybe we can talk about economics, But I want to encourage you that you would share the gospel with someone new today. Think about someone right now, if you don't mind. Think about someone that you don't think knows about the gospel. Think about how they look like. Think about their name. Who will you share the gospel with um, this week? Again, talk about the gospel um, practically, if you want a practical illustration, uh, there's uh, these, it's old school, it's not an app, right, sorry, uh, it's, called a, it's called a track, it's, I don't know if anybody remembers, anyway, it's a track, right, and it's a piece of paper, and it says, what is the gospel on it, and there's four points, basically it's, uh, you know, God is creator, man is sinner, Jesus is savior, and there needs to be a response, I recommend, I suggest that to apply uh, scripture that you would share a tract with someone. I recommend also that you read it. <laughs> you know, don't just like, and then and not read it. All right. So what is the gospel? Um, also, encourage with the gospel. In the earlier part of chapter one, it says says here in verses um, 8 through 12, right? So Paul has not visited them at all. And this is what he says to, uh, to all of us. So this is um, verse 8 through 12 of Romans chapter 1. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. Because your faith is proclaimed to all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son. That without ceasing, I mention you always in my prayers. That somehow... By God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you, for I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to to strengthen you, that is, that that we may be mutually encouraged, mutually encouraged, yeah, by each other's faith, both yours and mine. So this morning, that's one of my goals, is that I may encourage you in the good news of Jesus Christ. That I would encourage you to share the gospel with your neighbor, uh, with uh, your co-worker. Because we all need to be encouraged about the gospel. Because we forget, right? Oh, it's just that thing that I use when I get to heaven, when I die. You know, that's not it. The gospel is something that should empower you, should, that you should think about, meditate upon, and that you should share with those that you love. And that it helps you. It helps you to have peace with God, uh, peace with each other, peace with yourself, and have hope in the resurrection as well. Basically, it helps you with, um, um, you know, peace with God always. Thank you very much for listening, and I pray that the gospel will be um, an encouragement to you always. Let us pray. Our Father God, we thank you for sending your Son to live, die, and rise again. We ask for forgiveness for not sharing or possibly subtracting or adding to the gospel. As always, we seek for your grace upon our lives as we seek to live by faith. May this morning's message move us to worship and may our worship flow out in the sharing of the gospel, word, presence, and peace to others. In Christ, holy and precious and powerful, name we pray. Amen. Amen.